Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty tough. You know what I mean? He's a bigger receiver, so you know, I just try to get my head around and make a play on the ball. I mean, it didn't work in my favor, but you know, I try to make a play on the ball. I think it's a bad call. I think, uh, I mean, I don't know. You have to ask the ref. I think I played it as good as it could be played. A couple of Bills unhappy with calls that were made in that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where the Bills tried to mount the furious comeback that felt just short. That leads to today's after further review. And we're going to start in Tampa Bay with that Bills-Buccaneers game. A lot of Bills fans up in arms. A lot of Bills fans... And let me say this again, the fix is never in. But there's a lot of Bills fans that think the league wants Tom Brady back in the Super Bowl and they're helping the Buccaneers win. And as implausible as that may be, when you see a non-call like the one that we saw when the Bills were going for the victory, third and two from inside the Tampa Bay 10, late in the game, the throw to Stephon Diggs, And you can see the official is right there watching it, Chris. And Diggs gets mugged by Carlton Davis. Mugged. And there's no flag. Look at it. Just very calmly, nonchalantly, side judge is like, nah. Look at Davis. He's holding him. He's pulling him down. How's that not pass interference, Chris? Listen, it's I I have no problem with the no call here. I, I know. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm. Wow, the, your boy blue. I know boy blue it, it is hurt him. Literally it hurt be blue. I hate the play call. I mean, first off, it, Diggs is not like the best 50-50 jump ball guy ever. I don't. Not when love, a guy's dragging him to the ground. Well, he but isn't. but see, this is where I push back on these plays just a little bit. The contact was initiated by Stefan Diggs. He puts his right arm up on Carlton Davis first on his shoulder, and that's where I don't like that. He's the one that does it first. I he's mean, trying to get off the jam. Well, okay, but it's jam. five yards down the field. You're the not jam. allowed to keep it there and then wait, wait, wait until I see the ball thrown and then throw the guy by. That's what happens. You know, that's what happens all the time to these DBs, and it's not fair. It never gets caught. So, yeah, he latches on with his arms too, and now they're both grabbing each other. 
It's not the best thrown ball in the world. And they both kind of trip and fall because the ball is a little awkward in a bad spot. I don't have that much of a problem with that one. I don't. I, no. I To me, that's rubbing his racing. And I, I kind of lean on don't throw the flag in that situation, especially when the offense, I think, has initiated the contact to begin with. All right. You're yeah. not saying don't throw the flag in that situation because of the circumstances. No, the I just, just mean for sure that, that actually the circumstances right. of how the play unfolded. You're right. Thank you for because there was sure. some guy with a giant head on the show last yeah. week who said, "Yeah, I want consistency throw the flag no matter what the circumstances right. of the game." Right I can't now, listen, Mike. That's where we can get into that conversation. If that happens in the first quarter, I'd have a hard time thinking that's not pass interference. Uh, that's where again, that's where it's annoying, but. I, as far as that play, and if I was refing, I wouldn't call that pass interference in the first quarter or the fourth quarter. I would not. To me, that is rubbing his race in, and especially once the wide receiver puts his hand on his shoulder and starts grabbing and trying to push to get an advantage, uh, I don't know. Then don't call it just because the DB's trying not to get pushed out of the way and hold his ground a little bit. It's the juxtaposition of that play plus something that happened in overtime uh. that resulted in defensive pass interference being called against the Bills and giving the Buccaneers 19 yards of field position en route to their game-winning touchdown. And this prompted the Sunday Night Football rules analyst Terry McCauley to chime in on Twitter that this isn't or this, yeah, this is not defensive pass interference no. if what happened in the end zone with Stephon Diggs isn't. If that's not, then this isn't. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. No, uh, to me to me, this one is this is the, this is the bad call. This is where the Bills got screwed over. I mean, first off, horrible throw, okay? So we're going to reward the Bucks for that. And I understand, you know, you know, pass interference, part of it is impeding the wide receiver's ability to get the ball. Well, the DB has a right to the ball, too. He gets his head around. He gets his head around, and on top of that, Mike Evans is the one that interferes. I mean, come on. You know, that, look, look at his right arm. His right look arm, his right arm. He almost right. He almost grabs him and pulls him in to draw the penalty. It's I, brilliant if that's what he did on yeah. purpose. Or he's trying to grab him and turn him so he has a chance to catch for the ball with his left hand. But, yes, I don't like that. And it goes back to what Brady said earlier this year. It's, it's a bad play being rewarded. I, I don't like that. And to me, yes, this should not this should not, you know, be called or you call offensive pass interference. And to me, that is the – the worst thing in our league right now is that offensive pass interference does not ever get caught. I can come through every game and go, there's five, ten offensive pass interferences, push-offs by receivers. They don't care the NFL. It's great for the highlight shows and the game and fantasy football, and they just let it go. But that was a huge moment, and I do not like that call, and I think you're with me, right? You don't like that either. I don't like it either, and that's what has Bill F Bills fans up in arms because they didn't get the benefit of something they thought was interference, and then they get screwed by something that they think isn't yeah, interference. Right. And and you know the point that Terry McCauley made, and I think this is right. They either both are, or they both aren't. Yeah, that's you right. can't you can't say one is and one right. isn't. They either right. both are, or they both aren't. Yeah, I think that's that's the point there, and that's again it goes back to the inconsistencies that I think are driving a lot of people in the NFL mad and crazy and. Yeah, uh, again, I, I don't know. I'm getting to the point with pass interference. Like, I don't want to call period anymore unless it's just so egregious and crazy. Don't call it because it's so inconsistent. It, it's all over the place right now, and I think it's hard for receivers, DBs, coaches to get a feel for what's going to go on in a, in a specific game throughout the year.
And, you know, there's been arguments in the past that it should be a spot foul. And one one way to, or not a spot foul, but a 10 or 15-yard penalty like it is at lower levels of the sport. And I guess one way to draw the line would be like they used to do with the face mask, the, the lower level. And they still do it with running into the kicker and roughing the kicker, a lower level that doesn't put the ball at the spot of the foul. And then... The higher level where it is more egregious, yeah, it is more blatant. But you're still going to have right. you're still going to have reasonable minds differing yeah, and yeah. inconsistencies if you do have two categories of pass interference. Bills fans do think the fix is in, and one of the things they point to is they've only benefited from two defensive holding penalties all season. Both were called against Xavier Howard. One was declined, one was accepted. And, you know, I've heard of statistical anomalies like this, and sometimes it gets ridiculous when you look at the penalties not called on a team, but against the opponent that a team is playing. And uh, it, it, it just fuels these urban legends and yeah. conspiracy theories right. with tinfoil hats that something's going on and that's just not good for anybody no it's not we talk about this a lot lately it's not it's not good for anybody it's not good for the league most importantly it's not um you know and, and it, yeah again sometimes statistical anomalies happen like that certainly have they been screwed over a few times i'm sure there's no doubt the other thing i would say is you know there's some teams on that list and i know this doesn't hold true all the way together but i just look at it too and go you know, again, there, there's not. You you look at some of those teams. They have either creative ways to pick players and do things that way that create the holding, or they have really talented receivers. Throw that graphic up again there. Yeah, I want to see that one more time. Yeah, that that that'd be the other thing too. And I'd go Bills. Nobody has to hold your receivers other than Stephon Diggs. Nobody's worried about holding Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders. I'm trying to explain this to people because people keep so I still hear people going, the Bills, they all these weapons. And I'm gonna go, what? What weapons? Shut up. There's no weapons. Nobody cares about doubling Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders or anybody. Nothing. It's the is average talent in Buffalo at the skill positions. Average. They have an absolute superstar quarterback. The Bucks, the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Chargers have superstar receivers. Right, it's superstar receivers, so there's going to be some defensive holding and pass interference again against them. You know, Cowboys, you see there, they're not getting the holding, they're getting a lot of PIs. But yeah, I, I don't know. There's something there to me that, as far as that stands out too. Tonning continues to hover over the NFL. There were a couple of those that happened this weekend. Bengals safety Vaughn Bell drew a taunting foul as it relates to 49ers center Alex Mack. But DJ Reader of the Bengals offered up a defensive bell. Let's watch the play here. Bell, he thought it was a fumble, and he picks it up. And Bell, let's see what he does. He points it at Alex Mack, and there's the flag. And DJ Reader said that Bell said to Mack, you almost hit me, that it wasn't that it wasn't intended to be taunting. But the problem is, and they've all been coached, don't do it. Don't stick the hand in the face of don't gesture toward an opponent that's going to get you flagged unless you're Kendrick Bourne and you do it very quickly but he did it very quickly you know he did it but but that's that's exactly what they're telling guys to not do so it doesn't surprise me even with the explanation that he drew that flag Chris uh, I'm no. not saying I like it no I'm I know. saying I know. we understand it by now yeah that that's really the point I mean first off I want to go come on man you saw him throw the ball why are you picking it up anyways you know it's an incomplete pass Damn, just let the damn thing go. You were looking right at him. That's the first thing I want to say. And then, 
yeah, I don't like it either because this is not exactly what I feel was intended. But it's 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 poster. It's this is a this is poster. Like what do I want to say? Poster child? Uh, something like yeah. Textbook. Textbook example. Exactly. Thank you. Of like yes. Again, I mean this started because of Tyree Kill and 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 Antoine Winfield Jr. in your face with pointing or the deuces or whatever. I mean this is what they learned from day one. I mean doing that is going to get you in trouble. That's where you want to talk about a play that lost you a game. That lost them the game. They muff a punt. They get the stop. They're going to make the 49ers kick the field goal. You know, it's, I believe at the time, 10 to 6. And instead, the next play, George Kittle catches a touchdown pass at 17 to 6. It cost them not only the touchdown, but probably the ability maybe even to have another few plays for them to maybe go down and kick a field goal before the before the half ended. Huge play in that football game and bonehead mistake. That's all you can really say. And Bengals fans are salty about this, not because of the foul per se, but the inconsistency because also in the game, Jaquaski Tart of the 49ers not flagged for taunting after he applies that hit yeah that's that, that's what it was for and, that, and that's ridiculous that's yeah yes that that's the kind of thing that we've seen flagged and again if you're going to enforce this rule if this is your point of emphasis you have to do it consistently so when a guy tackles someone and and gets up in his face like that that's see the teammates trying to pull him away oh hey ho, oh, we're gonna get 15 yards here right what are they thinking why aren't they flagging that Chris? I, I don't know that that but that's that's the that is the argument the bangle fans have that's i mean that was way worse than von bell oh and what are they saying because he turned his head after he bumped him he wasn't really doing that come on that's ridiculous he rushes into his face exactly with it, with why he's while he's flexing, I mean, what are they trying to say? The fact that he turned his head to the left there as he hit him, that oh, no, he got it. He got the head turned, so it wasn't directed towards him. Absolutely ridiculous. That to me is worse than the other play. But you know, again, Von Bell with the finger pointing—that's textbook. But yeah, that's again, it's just so inconsistent right now, and that's what's bothering. So either call them all the time or don't call them at all. But don't ruin the freaking game by calling it for one team and not the other. That could be an interesting exception to the rule. As long as you're not facing the guy, it's not taunting. You can back into him. You can moonwalk into him. And I see guys doing that kind of – there's guys taunting. doing that. They've figured that out. There's some guys that do that when I watch on film every week who have realized, like, you know, I'm, I break up a pass and the receiver's over here and I kind of flex and walk sideways and, you know, accidentally got in his way to let him know I'm the man. There's definitely that going on. Hundred percent. Well, there's definitely risk in doing that because you never know when no, you're going to be you flagged know, for right. illegal posturing. Right. The Cassius Marsh rule that happened to Tyron Matthew in the 48 to nine romp by the Chiefs over the Las Vegas Raiders. Matthew was flagged for taunting the bench of the Raiders. Let's take a look at the play. There's Matthew closing in on the plan. Now he's let's see what did he do what. What did he do? He talked. That's it? Illegal talking. Illegal talking. See, that to me is not what the rule was intended for. The rule was not intended for somebody on the Raiders bench to be able to talk shit to him, and then he can't talk back. Yeah. There you go. Hello. Oh, sorry. Yeah, after further review, that was unnecessary language. Sorry about that. Yeah. But, yes. We apologize. That that is ridiculous. Like, ridiculous. Somebody's talking crap to him right there. They're talking to him. And then he turns around and tells him to shut up 
or be quiet or whatever, and that's what they flag. Uh, come on. That's not why we put this in there. That's not. That's a stupid. Nobody would have even known he was taunting. TV, you couldn't tell. He could have been saying, hey, coach, I'll see you at Christmas dinner. We don't know. I don't, hey, coach, I'll see you. Happy New Year. You know, that's where I just, I, horrible, 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 horrible. It's Christmas season. You got to talk like that on the air. I, I mean, know. You say it enough off the air. I know. I Good felt like God. that deserved it a little bit, so I went with it. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, well, I know. <laughs> the uh, it, it's funny though because even though I'm not in the room and haven't been the past couple of years, last year really nobody was in the room a lot of the time, but I, I'm still part of the conversation and I hear you. And it, it's funny how you're willingness to let the expletives fly in the presence of coach Dungey and his patience. And he is the most patient individual I've ever encountered in my life. Yes. He, he just kind of smiles. You say, sorry, coach, but it doesn't stop you from letting him fly as needed. No, it doesn't. Well, coach, coach kind of gave me the green light a little bit. Like I still say, sorry, coach, but he kind of gave me the green light. Cause he's like, Hey, hey, listen, you don't have to say sorry to me. He said to me like early in the year, you don't have to say sorry to me. I've been around the NFL for a long time in a lot of locker rooms. I've heard these words. So I don't feel as guilty as I used to, I guess is I feel like we're, we're close enough friends that he knows that I'm not a, I'm not a bad guy. I just got a bad potty mouth and, and it, and it stops there. <laughs> yes. As we all found out five minutes ago, here's another one. We talked about this earlier in the week, but it's important to emphasize this. So there's no confusion. There are plenty of missed calls for roughing the passer. There are plenty of bad calls of roughing the passer, which we would call nothing. The passer, the Lamar Jackson injury occurred on a play that was clean and it was legal because when you leave the pocket as the passer, you forfeit the protection against hits at or below the knee. He's out of the pocket and Jeremiah Wosukoromoa trying to tackle him, yeah. lunges, dives, and catches his ankle. That's fine. The rule is in place to protect the, the quarterback who is truly defenseless and at risk of getting destroyed standing still and actually stepping into and toward the pressure from the pocket out of the pocket that concern isn't there clean play clean hit unfortunately he got injured but not a foul uh, and rightfully not a foul no no right right call right good thing they didn't call it you explained it right i mean yeah it's lamar jackson he's outside the pocket definitely you're just trying to make a tackle at this point this is not why the guy's in the pocket, like you said, throwing with a, a leg just, you know, sitting out there that's very vulnerable. Uh, this is just unfortunate, you know, football play right here. But, uh, yeah, correctly, correctly officiated there. And I know there was a lot of people that originally saw that and thought that was for sure, you know, uh, roughing the passer. And, and you explained it perfectly. Seems like every good call from a game is balanced out by a bad one. Here is Devontae Freeman being called for unnecessary roughness after Brown's defensive end, Ifede Odenabo, recovers a fumble, and apparently the official got a little mixed up as to whether or not the roughness that was experienced was indeed necessary. We've got the recovery, and Freeman, Freeman tries to tackle the guy. Freeman at number 33 applies the tackle because the, the, the look the guy's Nobody the guy's him. not down. No. He's not down. Yeah, Oliver right there, there touched the he's wrong not guy. Down. Right. And he's running with the ball. What are you supposed to do? Let him go and find out later that he really wasn't down? 
you got to put the guy down. I, I agree. This if he's running down. the ball and he's clearly not down, you got to put him down. And I'm not saying you you know you go out of your way to try to hurt him. This is a smaller guy hitting a larger guy. I don't got a problem with this. No, absolutely not. I mean, again, I mean, this is where like what, what this is where Sky Judge would have came in very handy to go. Wait, pick the flag up. The guy wasn't down, so we can't get mad at a guy for tackling him. Tackling's part of football. And they're just none, none, no common sense, absolutely whatsoever. I mean, r ridiculous. It really is. And we see that a lot, too. I mean, we see that a lot where plays where, you know, players think it's a fumble and they pick it up. And now they're running like they're going to go score a touchdown. And you have some lineman who didn't really see how the ball got on the ground and he was blocking or whatever. And he comes over and tackles the guy. I don't know what they want the offensive player to do there. If the defensive player is going to pick up the ball and act like he's running for a touchdown, you know, and who knows? We've seen plays like that go, oh, well, that is a fumble. Oh, he did pick it up. He did run for a touchdown. I mean, we've seen that happen. That's where they got to get into common sense a little bit and give a little leeway. And that's where Sky Judge would have definitely came in handy. Also, what's very impressive there, the flag landing in the hoodie of the guy on the sideline doing the time. Did you see that? The flag landed in the guy's hoodie there? I missed that. I missed well, that. Show it's it better again. Than the flag. That. Yeah. It's better than the flag hitting someone in the eye, which once happened in a Browns in game. Right. Jeff Tripp letting Orlando yeah. Brown. Yeah, but uh, no, I missed that. If yeah. they're going to play but it, common we sense. To, we need to move on. Common Here sense. Here it comes. They're queuing it up in the control room as we speak. Please watch Chris, this. Do watch not the guy in the maroon jacket. Your, watch the maroon jacket. Right, watch see. this. Upper We've left. Here he is. Boom. Right in his hood. Oh, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Got him on the back of the neck a little bit. Yeah. Uh, most yeah. exciting sideline video since a guy was stirring the Gatorade with the sleeve of cups in Washington a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. That's still an all-timer. I wonder if we have that floating around oh, somewhere. Oh, that is so If we so have that hilarious. floating around somewhere that and hilarious. that gets played before the end of the day, that will make my day. That will balance out the angst I have for Chris dropping an S-bomb. All right. Uh, here we go. The next one from the same game. And this would have been a major, major deal if the Ravens had parlayed the onside kick that they recovered into a victory over the Browns. Ravens lost by two points, but they did recover the onside kick. Illegal formation, not called. Third guy from the right, not at the line of scrimmage, giving him an opportunity, not a line of scrimmage, but you know what I mean, the line of kicking, yeah. giving him an opportunity to get a little extra momentum. And they were telling the guys beforehand, get up to the line. They didn't flag the third guy for being too far away from the line. And they saw it. They saw it, and it's kind of like, are they tugging? You know, every time I see hands moving around on an official, I'm thinking, is he thinking about pulling a flag out? What am I doing here? And that's what gets people a little bit, a little bit queasy, well, what, a little bit curious yeah. about what's really going on. See that? See, there's the the 124. He's kind of like, he's thinking. I think he's thinking about it. Let's watch this again. He's telling. You got the guy who's yeah. clearly not. He was telling the guy to get on the line, like to say you're not on the line, and then just let it go. I, I, I again, I, I don't, I don't know. They were trying to tell a few I guys. You could probably call the guy at the end of the play on the end of the line of scrimmage fifty-seven. I don't know if he was on the line of scrimmage either. You know, it's it's borderline. What, what causes the official not to throw the ball? I don't they know. Don't want to hear it from John Harbaugh. He's down there well, on and, the Ravens. And you sideline. and you hear the he's coaches to, saying, "See it. that it it looks like he's yeah. starting to go for the flag." But yeah. you just have to wonder. And we've seen John Harbaugh blow a gasket from time to time. You just have to wonder if that guy just. I hate to be this cynical about it, but. 
I, it's just like, I don't want to deal with, I just, it's been a long day. It's cold. I just don't want to deal with this right now. Does that human emotion take over? Something caused this guy to not throw what should have been an easy flag. Yeah, it looked like he, but I agree. I mean, it does. This is the first time I'm really seeing this. It, it, it does look like he's running out there with his hand on the flag, like he's going to do it, and then decides to spot the ball and just give the ball to the Ravens there. But yeah, again, I, that's, that, that, that can't be allowed. That, that that cannot. And that's how conspiracy theories and everything are going to start with stuff like that, where he just, hey, the guy knew it was a penalty. He's telling the guy, and they don't fix the problem, and he still doesn't call it to be a penalty, let alone he's got a coach on the team yelling to tell that guy also to move up because they're afraid to get the penalty. He certainly would have been justified 100% to throw that, and I don't care if Carbaugh, you know, breaks a gasket or not. There's nothing he could argue there. That was against the rules. By the way, Matt Casey has chimed in with another submission for compelling sideline video beyond the stirring of the Gatorade with the sleeve of cups. It involves a certain man with a large head and uh, his LeBron's on who almost got put on his ass on the sideline at a playoff game. Thank you, Matt Casey. Thank you. Um, So I'd forgotten about that. That was that was um, (laughs) that was a memorable moment, which would have been even more memorable if you had gone flying like Kramer. Uh, if you had still had your dress shoes on, you would have. I would have. All right, right. This is one that a viewer has called nothing the snapper um, from the Seattle-Houston game. Long snapper John Weeks, unnecessary roughness called against him by, committed by Al Woods. Uh, you know, what? what's right now? Isn't it you're not allowed to touch him at all? Is that the rule? Is I, that I, why? I thought that. Is that why this flag is thrown? Not, not allowed, allowed to, to touch, touch his, his head. head. Yes. Right. Did he touch his head? I mean, it looks like he does maybe with his right oblique there or whatever, the side of his stomach, you know, seems to maybe hit him. I, I mean, it's, it's again, it's grazing. I, I don't, I, I'm not going to be mad at this one. I'm not. Yeah. Mike Pereira says it's technically correct because a long snapper is defenseless when his head is right. down like that. Right. So. Uh, even though it looks like nothing to snapper, there are extra protections that apply to the snapper. Because Chris, those guys used to just oh, get destroyed. Get right, right. It wasn't even. It wasn't safe. It really wasn't. It's, it's actually amazing with the, the NFL and all of us let that go on for that long. Remember, I mean, they used to put six guys over over the two or three guys in the middle there, and it was just like, whoa, okay, here we go. I'm gonna get killed. And let me snap the ball, make sure I get it there as I'm going to get run over and, you know, squished in some uncomfortable position that's dangerous. And that's where it is dangerous. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't. You know, guy's got his head down. You know, he's in a very vulnerable position. Somebody runs into you the wrong way. It could, hey, concussions, neck problems, whatever. I'm not going to be too mad at that one. I wonder if they've done a study on the reduction in bad snaps since oh, that because yeah. you can imagine can yeah. you imagine right. how many bad snaps are influenced by knowing that the moment that ball makes its way through your legs you are getting killed by these guys who are just ready to go they are ready and you you bet they're hearing plenty uh the long snapper hearing plenty about what's going to happen as soon as the ball goes um I have a feeling that we'd see an increase in good snaps now that that protection is there. Thursday night football, Minka Fitzpatrick of the Steelers called for unnecessary roughness on Vikings receiver K.J. Osborne. Fitzpatrick would later go to Twitter to blast 
the decision to throw the flag. Um, you know, I, I, this is the whole helmet to helmet hit of defenseless player from the, the angle of the guy who calls it. When, when you see that angle, oh boy, it's not. But, no. but I guess I understood it because from the end zone angle, it did look like it, but it clearly wasn't. Fitzpatrick said, very poor officiating. Calls like this can change the outcomes of games. He's right about that. Football's a violent sport. People will get hit hard legally. Receivers running across the middle know what they signed up for. It's part of the game. Well, they didn't sign up to get torpedoed in the helmet, but they did get they did sign up to take those hard body yeah, hits. And the problem right. is some of those hits are so good, you just assume right. that it was an illegal hit. We're conditioned. Anytime we see the kind of hit that used to make us ooh and ah, the kind of hit they used to market with videos yeah. that you would get you know, when you'd get a subscription to Sports Illustrated, the NFL's biggest hits or whatever the case may be. And there are some NFL crash course, all sorts of violent over-the-top titles they'd use to market those videos. We see those now and we just assume it's a penalty even in the occasions when it shouldn't be. Yeah, I, I hate it. I hate it. And again, you know, the referees got to start realizing that these DBs and linebackers have become very good. You know, th- it's rare. It's rare that they use the head now. I mean, it, it, this is Minka Fitzpatrick. He is as top-level athlete as it gets in our country. I mean, it, it, it's perfection. That's perfection, in my opinion. There's nothing Mike Tomlin or anybody on that Steelers staff is going to tell him to change this week when they play a football game. He's going to go do it again. It wasn't- just like. You know, and and to me again, Mike, this just gets back a little to my little pet peeve here of like, man. I mean, again, is is there a point in building a great defense anymore if you can't do stuff like that? I mean, that's part of Pittsburgh. You run over the middle. You're a quarterback. You throw something stupid like that. You know, I don't know what to say. I mean, again, he's just doing his job. He broke up the pass. He turned his head. He hit him with his shoulder. I mean, it was perfection. Absolutely perfection. Uh, bad call. Horrible call. Let, let, let me share something with you, too, because my book, Playmakers, comes out three months from today. Gratuitous plug for it. But in there, as we talk about, it's about 110, 115 different anecdotes about things that have happened over the last 20 years. But I tell the story of how they finally got Mike Tomlin to come around because he was one of the loudest holdouts when it comes to making the game safer because he did not want to sacrifice the intimidation factor of his defense, but he eventually did indeed come around. We have to show the nothing. We have to have one nothing to passer. We have to. We can't do the segment. Pete, we, oh, yeah, there, there was many this the, week. I know, but we got to show one. Matt Ryan, Miles Hartfield hitting, hitting, air quotes, hitting Matt Ryan and getting a nothing the passer call. Um, there, you know, there, there wasn't two steps. There wasn't a low hit. The helmet wasn't involved. Perfection. The face was up. Perfection. It's just he hit the quarterback too hard. Yeah. That's it. I mean, not even Matt Ryan's looking for a penalty. I mean, he, he he's not even expecting because he didn't even get grazed in the head or the face mask or anything. I mean, and quarterbacks now, they're conditioned to look every time they even feel like they get touched that way to go to the ref because, hey, I would too. You're, you might get a free 15. But come on. Again. Goes to my point. I, is it worth even building a big physical defense anymore if we're not going to do that? Damn, let's just put a bunch of receivers on the team. I don't know. That is just disgusting and stupid. And the NFL seems not to care or stop. It's just it's ridiculous. And They want the quarterbacks to be protected. They, they want the quarterbacks to be protected. And there's been – now, part of the problem, Chris, there's no transparency. There's no discussion. We are now getting – and I think the pressure we have put on the NFL has resulted in these perfunctory and, frankly, worthless – two-minute videos from Perry Fuel with 
all, you know, a smattering of calls that were fine and they're just explaining them. Like they'll probably have Lamar Jackson this week. Oh, he was outside of the pocket and they hit him. Like they're never going to address anything controversial. But unless the league is pushing back hard on the officials to not do this, and we've heard nothing to suggest the league is upset about this, they're trying to protect the quarterbacks. And the cynical part of me, and it's a fairly big part, says now that they're at 17, they want to get to 18, and one way to get to 18 is to aggressively enforce the safety rules to keep – now, it's, it's important to be conscious of player health and safety, but I think there's a desire to make it even safer and even healthier so it can be even more lucrative when they get to 18 games. Let's take a break. We'll take a look at this week's power rankings when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live continues. There right it is. The, there it is. That's against COVID protocols. Look at that. Uh, yes. Plastic. That's against all protocols. <laughs> the health department is here. They are shutting down the entire franchise. You know, that's a hell of a metaphor for what we now know about everything that's gone on with that football team over the last decade. That's <laughs> or that we don't know about what's going on. We'll be right back. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Down go the Cardinals, up go, not the Patriots. Couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't move the Patriots from 2-1 to one in a week where they didn't play. So the Packers jumped from 3-1. to one. Also, I made the, the, the judgment that I would get far fewer hostile emails and tweets from Patriots fans about the Patriots not being number one than I would from Packers fans about the Packers not being number one. So I just decided, go ahead and make the Packers number one and be done with it. And it's been a peaceful day since we posted the power rankings, Chris. Yes, that's a look behind the curtain at the high-level algorithms I employ. How big of a hassle is it going to be for me to have to deal with the fan base that's disgruntled that it's not number one? So congratulations, Packers. You're number one. Patriots at two. Bucks at three. Anything jump out to you in the top ten that seems off or askew? I don't know if I look at anything being crazy off. I don't. You know, I would have the Bucks in front of the Patriots still. I think I would have the Patriots as number three. 
Um, I'd probably have the Chiefs in front of the Rams. You know, I know that was a big win for them, but I mean, the Chiefs, again, just what they've done over the last five, six weeks, I think has warranted them to be ahead of the Rams who have just righted the ship here the last two weeks. But again, I'm not like mad. I don't go, oh, that's absolutely crazy and stupid. You know, hey, the team that I'll say that I'm just, I'm not sure about, or I question again is, is number nine on that list. You know, my heart of hearts, I don't think the Ravens are better than the Colts or the 49ers um, or the Buffalo Bills for that matter. I don't. But again, I know their record's better and and all of that. So it's hard there. But uh, that's that to me, they're one of the question mark teams that we got in the playoffs right now where it's hard to get a feel. They're tough. They're battle tested. I respect John Harbaugh. I'm just not sure how good they actually are. They're the car that is moving into the final lap of the race, and there's a fender that's flown off, and yeah, there's a right. wheel that's flat, right. and there's no gasoline left, and the driver fell asleep, and I mean, just everything, and they're just hoping they can will the car to the finish line and be on the right side of the 14 that make it to the postseason. That's a point that's made by, it's getting real. The Ravens are toast. It doesn't have much to do with the injuries that they keep crying about. It's about the gimmick offense, which everyone has figured out how to stop. That's part of it, too. Because it is more than the injuries. Yeah. Offensively, they're just not impressive anymore. They're not impressive like they were. And it is a combination of injuries and scheme. But I won't be surprised if Greg Roman is gone after this season. Well, um, I, I know. I See, won't be surprised. I wouldn't be either. I mean, there, there does seem to be an uprising. I, I, I don't want to blame Greg Roman completely here. This is to me where it's a little unfair. You know, again, hey – does their offensive passing game, you know, want you to want more? Sure. But again, they're built to run the football. That's what they're built to do. You know, it'd be like me going, well, why, why don't the Chiefs become the best running team in football? They're not throwing it good. Why aren't they They're just running the ball and being dominant? Because that's not what they are. That's not what they're built to do. And they've taken huge injuries on the offensive line, the running back situation, and it's caused – you know, the biggest thing of their offense to be less than. So now they have to rely on something that's not their bread and butter. It's not their quarterback's bread and butter. He can throw and make plays, and we know that, but he's not Tom Brady or Drew Brees that way. That's not what he is. So I think there's got to be a little bit of like, you know, I guess what I wanted to say is some common sense there a little too. Greg Roman's done a lot of good things there, and they've been special the last few years. This year's been a little bit of a struggle, but I think injuries can be blamed on that to a degree, and I, I don't think he deserves all the blame here, even though, hey, I'd like to see their pass offense be a hair more creative too. All right, let's take a break. When we return, feats of strength from Week 14, PFT Live, back right after this. Feats of strength. Week 14, here's Trey Smith, Chiefs right guard. He doesn't have anybody to block, so he goes and finds someone. Boom. I'm looking, I'm looking. What am I going to uh. do? Down goes Max Crosby. Look at this again. Um, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? There's no, Oh, come on. Leaning out the oh, pocket. Oh, come on. They Happy Gilmore. There we go. Uh, Cam Hayward. Damn. Here he blows up the running play. One of the few times Dalvin Cook didn't gain yardage. <laughs> Seriously. He's still running against trying the Steelers to defense. Work their way back into the game as it was all falling apart for the Vikings, but they ultimately held it together. Marcus Davenport. Morgan wow. Moses did not hold it together. I mean, down he went, and he went down hard. Look at that. Man, Davenport's played good when he's been healthy this year. 
Aaron Donald, first play That's from insane. scrimmage. Insane. Throwing the offensive lineman into the quarterback to cause the sack. He never even touches him. I wonder if he got credit for that sack. I think they gave him credit for it, but yeah. But but uh, I guess uh, oh there it is. He touched him there. That's close enough. Give him the sack. Always effective when you throw the lineman into the quarterback. Oh, I love this. And here's Vita Vea, week six. Help. Having trouble getting Mr. the jersey Mr. off. Help me. Help Mike Pahanich of the PR department helping him get it off. Look at this. Fast forward to Sunday. Here he getting is. Getting better. I got it, baby. I have <laughs> I love it. it. Yes. Amazing. Take that. He's one of Jersey the best defensive players in football. We'll be right back. There have been a lot of comparisons made recently about uh, Micah Parsons and Lawrence Taylor. Should we be making that comparison? I don't think so yet. I mean, he's he's started to have a heck of a career. But when you start talking about the best player to ever play defense in this league, uh, slow down just a little bit. I have a feeling Michael Parsons is going to remember that if the Bucks and the Cowboys get together again in the postseason. I mean, I spoke to Parsons. He's got an intensity. He's got an old-school mentality. Yeah. He's just very infectious and rare in today's game. And he, he told me, I, hey, LT, one of the great – pass rushers of all time, but I want to be the one that people compare themselves to. He's yeah. got high aspirations, That's Chris. Cool. That's cool. Hey, listen, I, I said it on Sunday Night Football. I've, been, I've said it the last you know two weeks or so. I'm not saying he's Lawrence Taylor. His skill set is similar to Lawrence Taylor. That's where it's rare. You don't see that where a guy can be, you know, and Lawrence Taylor was a 3-4 outside linebacker, but he could play off the ball and did at times, even in some goal line situations, where he could be like a middle linebacker, off the ball linebacker, and make unbelievable tackles and plays that way. Haven't seen anybody that can do that and then go to pass rusher and back to that and be like that. Now, Lawrence Taylor, again, you know, Rodney said it right, Bruce Aaron. I mean, Lawrence Taylor changed the game maybe more than any defensive player in the history of the sport. And as much as a freak is, Micah. Parsons is. I mean, Lawrence Taylor, go, people need to go watch his highlights from 1982 to 1986 and tell me what you think. Mike is awesome, but he, he's not Lawrence Taylor yet. I mean, my dad will still tell you, he saw Lawrence Taylor at 255 pounds on a grass field run 4-5 flat. I mean, my dad, he, he'll never stop telling unbelievable stories about Lawrence Taylor, but Parsons, he's off to a good start, that's for sure. All right, we have to uh, to get to no, the draft. Postseason awards that we feel most confident in this year. You got a quick trivia question. Yeah, who was the only Cowboy to win Defensive Player of the Year, Mike? It was in the 70s, okay? All 70s. Right. Yeah. Harvey it was, Martin. It was not – way to go. Good job Hey, I you. got it. Did I get it? All yep. right, Harvey 1977. Martin. 1977. Well, I'll start with Defensive Rookie of the Year. They should just name the thing after him. I think the odds are embarrassingly – Law, uh, short in his favor now at points bet. He's deepened in minus territory. Micah Parsons, defensive rookie of the year. That's the easiest one. They could just carve his name on it. No today. doubt. Send him the trophy. Get it over with. We've had enough. Now let's discuss whether he should be, you know, defensive MVP. That's that's the real discussion. Uh, all right. I guess I'll go with offensive rookie of the year as the next one, and that's Mac Jones. You know, to me, again, we had Jamar Chase at one point of the year where we thought was kind of a lock, but. The way that New England has played basically from about week six, six or seven on is is top notch. And of course, the quarterbacks are rookie and they're, you know, one of the best teams in football. How could he not win it? Uh, that one's going to go to Mac Jones. Offensive player of the year, Cooper Cup. He's on pace to threaten the all-time single season receiving 
record of 149. He's going to get to about 148 on his current pace. And you know the Rams are going to try to feed it to him a little bit more to get him over the top. And also the yardage record, 1964. He's on pace for 1947. Not very far away from both of those records. I think he's going to be the offensive player of the year, Chris. Yeah, it's a top one. That's where you get into like the Jonathan Taylor conversation a little bit too to see how he finishes out towards the end of the year. Um, you know, so that's his. So here's the next one. Again, I know there's this is not stone in in stone here, but I'm going to go coach of the year, and I'm going to go Bill Belichick. I know that Cliff Kingsbury is in that conversation there, but I'm going to say Belichick gets it this year. You can't. You can give it to him every year. This is a year that like it's it's in shining blinking lights. Come on, they rebuilt the team in a year, and they're already one of the best teams in football. And he's doing it with a rookie quarterback. I feel pretty confident at this point that he's going to get it. We'll take a break and do round three when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live wraps up right after this. All right, the postseason awards that we have the most confidence in by the time you get to round three because there aren't a ton of postseason awards it's hard to have a lot of confidence i'm gonna go with brady as the mvp yeah i i I, the odds strongly favor him now i I think it's going to be a hell of a debate if the packers finish as the one seed and brady is still favored and there's still a sense that he's the guy because you make the argument it's aaron Rodgers if the packers end up taking the one seed especially after he missed a game uh, due to COVID, he had to come back and work even harder to get them to the one seed. No doubt. And, then, I mean, you know, Brady's playing with an all-star team. Aaron Rodgers is not. I mean, that, that's that's the difference, too. I mean, to me, I would give it to Brady. I mean, not Brady. I would give it to Rodgers. He's, he signifies at least MVP to me more. Brady, though, from the current criteria of what we go with, it's like the Heisman Trophy now. The quarterback on the best team, you get MVP, which is just stupid. I have a problem with the criteria with these awards. I do. I don't like it at all. And yes, you know, to me, again, Aaron Rodgers, the way he's played, especially lately, too, all the three touchdown games with no interceptions. Brady has none of them this year. Come on. I mean, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, that's all I got. All right. Now, um, I guess the next one I'll go with is I'm going to go executive of the year. That, that's one I feel, I feel pretty confident. Steve Keim, Arizona Cardinals, is going to win that one. Uh, again, you know, King- Kingsbury might get screwed over by Belichick, but Steve Kime, GM of the Cardinals, what he's done for that football team, you know, they've really flipped their roster the last two or three years, and they got stars everywhere and set themselves up for, you know, being good here for a long time. Isn't it weird? Sports, uh, the, the, the executive of the year is not an official award that's part of the NFL Associated Press. Sporting News is the one that's recognized as the official. I didn't realize like that. So I guess yes. Is Sporting News even around anymore? <laughs> I think Sporting so. News is so, executive of the year. So you're saying my draft pick there wasn't really legit, is what you're saying. That's it. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. See ya. Sorry, Sporting News.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.